Hello, lovely people. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, this is John Patty, and this episode is an interview with Marissa Stubby, which she says is like Scooby, but silly. How lovely is that? Um, a person I, I work with at uh, the little private lesson studio that I teach at. We uh, we talk. We've been talking more recently, and it's like, hey, I gotta get John. And uh, it's it's a good example of someone who's not. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't consider themselves a professional musician, but knows a little bit about it, uh, or, you know, knows, knows a lot about it and is willing to, um, you know, willing to talk about it anyway. And we, we go into the areas of musical theater and comedy and performance and goals and all these things. Um, and it's, it's nice. And, uh, you know, she makes fun of me a little bit and it's, uh, it's very telling. Um, but it was, it was, it was a lovely conversation and, um, so so happy that she could do it, and so happy that we had a good time. We actually were outside for this podcast, which uh, I had never done before. And you know, you can hear like sometimes you can hear like the AC units kick on. We're at, at the apartment complex we were at, or people walking by yelling for their cats, and all sorts of um, lovely artifacts. But. Um, so it, it doesn't it doesn't seem to get in the way too much as I was as I'm going through and editing this, but um, yes, but like once we get started, we we find our our way through it, and uh, it's 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 fun. It was very nice. It was a lovely uh, lovely chat, and it was it was a cool um, cool aesthetic outside. So um, good. So the thanks for listening this far, and without further ado, here's Marissa Stubby. You can imagine a version of a hipster that's not cool. I kind of. But in doing that, thinks he has become cool. Or just resigned to the fact that it's not. It you know it's whatever. I don't. Right. <laughs> I'm just gonna wildly make fun of you, but that's just what I do. So nothing's gonna change. Nope. This is. I've never even heard of a podcast being outside. This is fantastic. It's pretty. Um, and nobody uses any of this space. People use the pool. But there are just like all of these open spaces that they made green. I like especially the rooftop. Yeah. Pergola. With the flora on it. So here's the deal. Um, there's no like podcast police, so if it ends up being like an hour of rest or something, fine. But I am, I am curious. I want to get to know you better. So I have a, a pretty pink notepad. Okay. Um. Please understand. I literally sat in my apartment 12 minutes ago. I'm uncomfortable with sincerity, and I don't know why people keep giving it to me. Because um, I've been trying to do bits with this guy, and he keeps coming back with sincerity, and I just don't know how to handle that. So as long as you understand what you're getting. Of course. Yes. You know me. <laughs> what else? No, it just, it's fine. It's, it will be a good 
Parker, because musicians are stuffy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Even like the really good. Yeah, I have all of these like really deep and uh, oh my God. important projects to me. They're just so easy to puncture. <coughs> Is that? That sounded like celebratory. A little bit. I mean, there's a little bit of joy in someone getting so popped up on their own whatever and just finding a sweet spot for me, not them. I don't like to hurt people, but occasionally they're very irritating. That might be worse. It's can am I okay? I can hear myself. Just wanted to make sure we weren't going to get AC for most of these. I think it's okay to keep people honest. Maybe it's like they correct people in the same. Destroy them. I also don't realize some of the time that I'm being a jerk. So it uh. Occasionally people laugh at how mean I'm being and then I get the joke myself. <laughs> now, <laughs> I want to be conscious of when I'm uh, hurting people's egos. I think it's, I think it's reflecting. To... Especially in the... I don't know, I'm, I'm a, I've been a teacher in different capacities, and everyone is so deep in this just like space people have to put up. And I think the first day I met you, you were really mean to me, and I was really happy about it. I wasn't sure why. I was like, oh, maybe I did something, maybe I'm just a loser at sight. <laughs> but no, I. I get it, and even if I didn't get it, I But see, that's wildly uncomfortable for me because I didn't assume I was being mean to you. I assumed I was gently poking fun and we were becoming like comrades because we're still in a business environment. And so to know that I am just like being mean to people who are working with slash kind of under me is not an awesome thing. And it's something that I constantly have to work on. Well, maybe I like to think of it as um, this is just me clawing to not feel inferior to everyone. Maybe people just know, like, oh, he's cool. <laughs> you just have such a chill vibe, John. Yeah. I, I jump around a lot, so, you know, it's cool. Um, no, there's, I think it's fun to explore the performance aspect of everyday life. Mm-hmm. I think of that a little bit. Because you and I talk about comedy a lot, and I listen to way, way too many comedy podcasts. And I realized, I realized just, just having that performance, which maybe not flipped all the way on, but at least flipped to the middle somewhere. I just think 
that the everyone is trying to present their best self, but the best self that I think that I am is just the quirkiest. And quirkiest is really just a nicer way to say uh, smartest and driest. Well, I'm uh, I'm interested because we've talked a little bit about it, um, you know, about the the theater thing. We, we talk about stand up and improv a lot. What, like, what's your experience with actually performing? Because I know we I've seen your, I guess part of your acting resume, but we haven't talked about like. Sure. Your favorite roles. Yeah, all of that. Um. <laughs> For the record, John did Kermit Arms, and it was great. Um, um, so I started vocal lessons in late elementary school, fourth grade. And a lot of that was because my mother was like, I was never a good singer. I can recognize that you're going to be a good singer. Let's do something about this. And... So I started those, and then I did choir all through elementary, middle, high school, and then got into the theater thing in middle school, a lot more in high school, and then ended up in college at OU for vocal performance, dropped that after one class, dropped out of OU for a year, went to Hendrix, which is this teeny tiny college in Arkansas. Went in as a theater major, ended up as a sociology major for two years, and then went back to theater at the end of my junior year. So I didn't want to end up there. And this keeps the whole like, I keep trying to get out, and you keep pulling me back in, and you. you were you were you always like a performer person? Were you always on? I was. Yes. Okay, so my dad tells this story about when I was four. And I was sitting on him, and, and he was like, okay, Marissa, I have to get up. And I was like, <laughs> my chair! <laughs> um, and he's like, no, I really have to get up. And I'm like, oh, look, it can talk. And so there's kind of this mythos around, like, well, I was always going to be quick-witted, which I don't think is a great thing to tell a child. <laughs> like, funny's gonna be your thing. You should lean into that. Um, and the other story that I'll tell about that is that apparently when I was 12 or 13, around that age, at one point my sister said something just kind of snotty to me, and my dad took both of us into the kitchen, I, or we were already there, and he was like, look, you can be mean as long as you're clever about it. <laughs> and that is something I took way to heart. And the follow-up to that story is I've, I've told that to um, at least two people I was involved with, and they both said that makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, it's not like a complete shocker. It's, well, it's funny just because like I'm doing so much the opposite of that. Now I can't. 
top of my boot. So I'm, whatever I'm doing. You're very bit oriented. I think so. I don't know where that came from. I've never like sat. I mean, like I've sat down and like written. I guess I'm always doing something creative, but never, never done any acting. Never really had any. I'm, a, I'm an avid fan of comedy and theater and presentation. But so, how did it start? Did it start with you looking at stand up first, or did it start with going to plays? Well, that like in a high school, the I did the the band thing, and so I I was familiar with the performance aspect of it. But we all made fun of the theater kids. It was a I was a, I was a pretty divisive high school experience. Like we were very like choirs for the sissies and theaters for the and I like it didn't occur to me that like, those were were all talented in some way. Like that was why we were doing what we were doing, but. Um, so I didn't get it until I didn't, I didn't even go to a show. I think I went to one theater performance like my senior year of high school. But I also sort of started listening to stand up like more consistently. Everyone was like, "Yeah, I like Brian Regan," you know, just because that was on. But then you know, I started. I really got into like, um, it was like Robin Williams and George Carlin. I started kind of like way just, older. <laughs> just the greats. Yeah. Just. And yeah, my my dad was sort of part of that. He he showed me a little bit of stand up with with no context whatsoever. Just like these guys are funny. Laugh at them. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I through college like. I did the I did the music thing, but then I like I joined choir, and that got me in with some of the theater kids because I was in the choir with all the theater kids, and they were like, "Hey, come come watch shows," or like, "Come watch rehearsal," like that's a cool process. And then I was like, "Whoa!" You know, I went to I think I went to see Brian Regan live, and I was like, "Whoa!" Even the openers are funny. This is a cool environment. Like, mm-hmm. This is a neat aspect of it and then I started getting um, getting calls to play drum set for all of these uh, musical theater gigs and like you know some of them were pretty intense like some the first time they used a live orchestra so I was there at like every rehearsal I was like oh I like I get it now and I, I think maybe that's what sort of opened that up for me was being getting the opportunity to be at like every step of it, but not being like an actor and having it be a, a schlep for me. I didn't have to learn any lines. Right. Music, drum set parts are generally produced. I mean, I think musical theater is such a great thing because it combines two very passionate, talented groups of people. Like, you think of musical theater as like, those are the musical theater kids. And it's like, no, you got some choir kids who want to sing on a stage alone. And you have some theater kids who... Maybe that's the show they're doing that year. They just want to be a part of it. And they get to sort of learn from each other. And then you do have the straight musical theater kids, of which I absolutely was one. And just being like, this is my moment. (laughs) My show. 
But my high school didn't really do musical theater, which was a long problem for me. It was sort of why I was into theater in the first place. And then my high school did like two when I was there. And then my college only did one show in four years, one musical. Uh, which was Putnam. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. And so despite the fact that I love it, I just haven't gotten as many opportunities, which is why I came out of school and I was like, well, you know, even if it's not a professional environment, I'd just love to do more musical theater because I haven't gotten that chance. Mm -hmm. So have you, so just like straight plays, you've done more? A lot of straight plays. Um, some Shakespeare, just a couple of those screwball white people problems plays, <laughs> which I'm excellent at because I have the diction <laughs> right. But it, there is a real, I mean, it's weird to think of your high school being everyone making fun of each other because we had so much crossover. I mean, like, football guys did choir. That was fine. Um, theater kids and choir kids actually stayed pretty separate, but that's just because they were both so time consuming. And I managed to do both just through like messing up a lot and forgetting to do things. <laughs> and then I think once you get to college, it becomes so specialized that everybody sort of breaks off. Yeah, I noticed that. I, I think part of the reason for the division was, I mean, and it's, there's no way to talk about it without sounding arrogant, which is one of the things I didn't like about parts of my high school experience because there was so much, there's so much just like money and vicarious living that mm -hmm. there was sort of built in walls. The band kids were like the, the children of band director parents or like kids that stuck with it and like, well, I spent so much money in doing it and I have all these private lessons, you're only going to do band, you know, you're not going to waste time with other stuff. And there was a little bit of crossover, but it wasn't like embraced. It was very much weird. Because I, I would have I would have probably tried it out for like the musical thing. It's 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 so cool. And it's it's so much a part of what I am now. But a lot of a lot of that is getting out and getting away from my parents and being able to talk about artistic things. My dad was a Marine. There was no arts. He was like, you're going to go to the, you're going to go to the Marine Corps, right? I'm like, <laughs> no. Oh my God, I'm trying to imagine you as a Marine. Dude. <laughs> I can imagine you in green. I think that's the closest I've got. I see a lot of green. But, you know, it's like, I, I think maybe that's part of, part of what sparked the change. When I went to college, my dad would like send me photos. He's like, here's what you would look like out in a 
Air Force Academy polo, and I'm like, you look like that. <laughs> That's weird, man. <laughs> Did he he Photoshop these? He actually, well, paint. That's terrifying. Yeah. And I think I still have them, but it's like that's so far away from what I am. Uh huh. And you know, good the people that find their career in that, good for them. But that's definitely not. Right. No, there are people who are good at that, and then there's us. <laughs> I think you have to carve out a new path. I think I. I'm not gonna say I broke my mother's heart, but. My mother was so invested in my singing, and she was like, you know, theater is, is what you want to do, and that's your passion, that's great, I just would love for you to keep singing. And she had a job. I mean, basically the entire time that I was in lessons, the money for that came out of her paycheck. Um, and they were luxury, and we were, I mean, always on an upward incline of middle class going to slightly upper middle class at some point. And it was, but it was my thing that felt like her thing. And so for a while I got to college and I just didn't do voice lessons for a while. I was like, we're going to see how this feels. And I'm just now getting to the point where I'm like, oh, no, I want to be good again. That'd be nice. Was there, a, was there like a, a path laid out? Were you thinking, or was she thinking operatic? Oh, my God, she wanted me to do opera so much. So you're not a... I would love to, honestly. It, but now, yeah, I, I don't think a lot of 18-year-olds are like opera. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a, it's a flourishing art form right. that I want to get involved in. And, but that's the vocal type that I had. And where we failed, just as a group, was that I never got the theory side of things. And so it's sort of like being an idiot savant. Like, I can sing this stuff, but if you tell me to explain it to you, I'm out. And so it's hard to be around musicians now. I mean, where we work, especially there's a lot of like, I can maybe follow for a second what you're saying and then you're out of my league. And that's really frustrating when you when for a long time you were supposed to consider yourself a musician. And I think vocalists fall into that a lot. It's, it's one of the, having taught in a public school setting, like I taught band and like my major was theory in college. My kids probably, I probably spent too much time with my kids on theory because I was like, well, you're going to practice or you're not. Your hands are going to be able to do it or you're not. That's up to you. I want you to know what's going on and so I was providing this thing this extra thing for them but like I would go I would either play for the choir kids or send some of my kids over to, to play with the choir kids and my kids go, all right well let's start at this cadence for example and a lot of middle schools don't know what a cadence is or high schoolers even and the choir kids were like and they were like okay start at this measure number and they're like 
I don't know what a bedroom number is like, but that didn't it didn't occur to me that that's not something they talk about. Let's start at this word. Let's start at the, the chorus. You know, let's start where the altos come in. You know, those are things that hadn't occurred to me, and it's it's hard. And you know, wait, there's just I mean. There's a different set of vocabulary because you are bringing in this whole other aspect once you start singing and there is just a lot of technique that goes into that the band kids don't talk about and tend to sneer at, honestly. Just like, oh, how hard is it to memorize words? And it's like, "Uh, um, you know, the way that you're going to sing that German song is a lot different than the way you're going to sing that Italian song, and you try to tell me the phonetic differences. Right. And, but yeah, I I still don't feel like I can talk about music with anyone who plays, because my frame of reference is different and it is smaller. Yeah. Well, I, I feel... Extremely, um, I feel super lucky because studying, like being in band for all that time, learning the, that part of the technical side of it, and then taking voice lessons for four years in college, it's, it's kind of like, it's very much being bilingual. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I like doing this, because I can talk to drum set players all day. I can talk to trumpet players and trombone players about their mouthpieces and their techniques, and you know, I can talk a little bit about saxophone and woodwinds and that kind of stuff. But then I talk to a singer, and you know, they're talking about vowel shaping and modifications. And I'm like, yeah, straight up. And then I know how to, I'm trying to relate it everything together. And also, like, you're not the first person that's that's not classically trained. But you know, that it. It does sort of mean something, but it also doesn't. You can be good without any classical training, without the theoretical knowledge, because you can also you can always sort of go back and uh, acquire at least some of that to a working uh, station. But I think what's cool is, and what I what is fun to talk about is the passion and the drive to do it, mm-hmm. because you can't teach that. There's no amount of training that can make somebody want to do it. Right, it, but it's it's sort of like you can get to the same destination if you're in a city you don't know, and you don't know the language, you can find your destination, but it means that there's just a lot more searching and backtracking and what have you than if you know the language, and you can get directly from point A to point B, and so I feel like I'm asking every idiot on the street, like, how do I get to Hunter's Creek again? And it's a much harder to pick up now. I mean, forget time, it's just effort. Yeah. I mean, I think I've looked at the Circle of Fists like 82,000 times and I couldn't tell you anything. Well. It's, it does not make my life more difficult because I'm not a working musician, but it is something that I constantly have an inferiority complex about, being, considering where I work. And we, yeah, I, I find myself 
talking, and even some of the other musicians, because I was a theory major, some of the people just look at me and they're like, you can go now. <laughs> you left me behind five minutes ago and you've been following me around with your iPad, just go be somewhere else. Okay. I'll have my weird, like, Egyptian scales sit in the corner. Yeah, I'm sorry that you're ostracizing yourself <laughs> by being too nerdy. I know, but I like you. Well, if, uh, so what's your, what, what's, what would you do with it if you could, or if you could get it, like, what's your, what's your dream career path? Um, I mean, I don't know that I'd ever want to can make, make a full career out of singing specifically, just because the amount the vocalists have to baby themselves is ridiculous. I mean, my scarf collection is in the double digits. Um, I think I, I'd love to be a working actor who does mainly musical theater, but it's not something that I'm willing to rate by for. Yeah. I'm doing your stupid S's. Um, so I think realistically in the next few years if I could be part of an opera course, mm -hmm. that'd be amazing. I think I'd have such a great time and then do some sort of semi-professional theater um, and the great thing about Houston is that you can be a working actor with a nine-to-five job mm -hmm. um, an 11 to 7 job is harder sure. but I think that would fulfill me and make me generally happy and feel like I was using I don't really believe in like, oh, you have to use the talents that God gave you. But I think if something brings you joy and also has been known to bring other people joy, that you shouldn't ignore that. Yeah. And I like the kind of people who flock to those things. It is, it is pleasant. It's, it's something I like. I find myself like, for example, like the drive kind of sucks like driving from the Woodlands to Houston, but um, if that immediately goes away when a kid's like, oh, I totally get it. And the smile, and they, they don't get it all the time. That they, think they get it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I totally get it. No, you so, don't. Okay, try it with the keyboard on. Let's, okay, <laughs> turn the volume, okay. But, um, no, but it's, it's, a, it's the same thing. There's, there's an outpour of positive energy and it's, it's, you know, it's cathartic for the grown-ups that work so hard, especially, like, sometimes, just like anything, sometimes I hate music. I, I love music. It's, it's my life. It's my living, you know, in a practical way, and that makes me hate it sometimes. Like, I won't say most of the time, and I won't say, you know, just a little bit occasionally. Like, sometimes, a reasonable amount of time. But seeing what it does for other people makes that better and so like you know i see my paycheck and I'm like <laughs> i can pay some of my bills 
But you know, it's you know, see a kid, seeing a kid smile, or seeing a kid talk to their parents and their parents smile, or you know, seeing a kid get a riff or something. Um, you know, having a kid come in and be like, challenge me, make my life better by showing me something I can't do yet. That's really cool. It's not, you know, it's just what I'm familiar with, and I can share that. And like that's what I like. That's what's cool about it. It's, it's the labor of, of love driving all over creation to do it but yeah I mean I think it's I like seeing it in kids I like kids but seeing that manifestation as an adult is more interesting to me just because it's like the amount of resources you have to put in now versus the amount of resources you had to put in as a child like oh you really want this um even just paying for voice lessons now it's like oh, I have to make a budget for this. I, it has to be something that I really want because I'm going to go without, I don't know, kale for the month. I love I made a really good kale Caesar salad the other day. I'm, sorry? We have to trade recipes. I, I made my own salad dressing and it's delicious. Mm. I'm going to eat it after this. I didn't want to smell like anchovies. Anchovies? The bold choice. I'll send you the recipe. It's great. That would be. I have this thing where a, a lot of things that I do, not just food, uh, whatever I can do to bother the most amount of people with the least amount of effort, <laughs> I enjoy. Like fish or a trumpet. So you're a low key monster. Yeah. Just like a grade D demon. I used to make shirts sometimes that like I'd print a logo on. That would, you know, I couldn't see until I had glasses last year. It was fine for me. Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> I'm much too easily prickled for that to be acceptable. It, it, it gets so much worse. I have a friend who's a flute player, and she's she's kind of been, uh, she works in the woodlands, so she's been staying with me a few nights a week, and she's a flute player. She plays, she's premiered some of my music before, and I have legitimately given her an eye twitch. Like, she comes and she's like, what did you do? <laughs> do you just move stuff? Do you just ever so slightly all move stuff time. around that? All the time. <laughs> I don't. Like, at least if I'm hurting someone, it's deliberate and they know what's happening in the moment. That, okay, well, this does bring me to um, the second greatest thing that I've ever done. Have I told you the paper bird story? No. Okay. Um, I had a group of boys my age who lived in the college apartment next to mine and I'd made all of these paper birds for my walls I mean they were like probably three inches big all different colors I put them on the wall it was very Etsy chic and I was very proud of these birds and they hated them they loved to make fun of them for the entire year they would tell me how stupid these were so I had a bunch of extra and about two weeks before we were all about to move out for the year 
I snuck into their apartment with my roommates and we put these paper birds underneath everything. Under tables, couches, behind their microwave. Uh, And I kept to the main living areas, not trying to make anyone feel violated, but um, bathroom, mirror, just everywhere. There were probably 25 to 30 of these. And I had to move out the day before they did, so I was driving home the entire day, and just every 15 minutes, I would get either a text or a call going, Marissa, where are all these goddamn birds? How many are there? How long have they been here? My birds are not so stupid. Your birds are clever. My birds, my birds are here to hurt you. Malevolent. Um, and then I did a similar thing with 13 copies of the Da Vinci Code the next year. It wasn't. I hit a library book sale. The whole thing cost under 10 bucks and took an entire semester, and I'm pretty sure I ruined their mental health. Great. (laughs) It's fun to hurt people. That's where we're at. Well, you know, they'll recover partially. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I mean, I still have them text me when they hear about the Da Vinci Code, so. Not that it comes up a lot. It's almost Pavlovian. Just a teensy bit. He's dappled in the sunlight. He's beautiful. I really want to pet that squirrel. I mean, there's no way he'd let you do that. Unless you gave him the peanut butter bar in my purse. I could play music. Oh, okay, so the cats I'm living with hate my singing. It's fine. I just don't think they're used to it because what my roommates play is basically rap and indie pop, okay. which is fine. Sure. But, you know, occasionally you come into the room singing tonight from West Side Story and Cats who are not trained to listen to that are just like, this is worse than the vacuum. Unsheathing your claws. Cats are little conquistadors. I, I imagine all cats are Spanish. I don't know why. Shrek? Probably. I've only ever accidentally seen parts of it. But, you know, nothing to do with the character. Sure. Mm-hmm. There's a Shrek the Musical. Oh, I know. Is it any good? It grows on you. Do you like that? I, it's a very kind way of saying no, but it's <laughs> fun. Um, I This thing, though, where we keep... I, I don't mind um, adaptations, movies to musicals. Like, mm-hmm. fine, if it's going to be good, I'm, that's fine, but... These larger and larger set pieces that are just more like, look at all this cool stuff we can do, as opposed to, is this really a solid story? I mean, hot take, not on board. And then you get all of the community theaters trying to do Shrek the Musical. Um, There's actually, there's this amazing Tumblr that was up a few years ago. All it was was um, community theater Beauty and the Beast Beast costumes. Oh, 
Like the masks that they would try to do, and oh my god. They're all nightmare inducing. Frank <laughs> the Bunny style. I mean, yeah, I guess it works in the sense that he's hideous. <laughs> but. Oh, golly. That's. I, I think that's another thing that kind of turned me off to theater at, at first is like. What I did see was like probably the sophomore class theater project. And, you know, it wasn't always cute. Um, so I've been talking to a guy in the Houston improv scene who's basically like, I feel sort of a responsibility because so many of these people have never seen improv before because it's not a big thing in Houston yet. So when people come to see an improv show, if we're bad, that's the first improv that they've seen and I don't want them to be turned off the medium. And so many, so many people's first impression of theater is high school theater yeah. going to see it. It's like, you wouldn't assume that a high school band was the ben end-all be-all of music so i don't know why you think oh i don't like theater because i didn't like 15 year olds doing who's afraid of virginia wolf well in this particular area like the the, the greater houston area like where i went to school um and again this sounds like being super braggadocious but i got out of the area as quick as i could like our band program was, it did kind of overshadow a lot of the other stuff that was happening. It's not so much that way anymore. Um, the band's still great, but the other programs have really come along. The fine mm -hmm. arts stuff has sort of shifted. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely something to that. And even even now, I wanted to judge. Like I wanted to see uh, when I go see like community theater, my first choice. You know, if I'm seeing a new show, it's like, I'm going to try and, you know, maybe not watch it top to bottom on YouTube or something, but I'll find clips of, like, a professional company doing, like, working, working actors. And then, you know, if I see something, yeah, it's not quite the best caliber, but I get the show. Like, I can, I can appreciate it a lot more, um, I guess, sort of prepping. This guy's kind of weird, but... No, it's funny that you mentioned that, though, because I do the exact opposite. I had a real problem when I started seeing theater and specifically musical theater because straight plays at least you can read the script mm -hmm. and yes you can go on YouTube and watch clips but it's not like how you get the medium the first time and so you can go into a straight play much more open-minded I think than going into musical theater when you've listened to the soundtrack and especially those nerds people like me <laughs> who have it memorized and so you hear the cadence of the person who originated the role and you're like oh this person's not as good therefore this is bad right and it's coming in immediately wanting to compare and contrast is just not the way that i want to experience theater anymore and so i try really hard going to shows 
to come in much more open-minded. Yeah. I, I find myself in that, in that place where I won't listen to it much or at all if I'm playing it. Just because I, because now when I listen to, uh, let's see, what's the show? So, for example, I listen to uh, a thing called 35mm. And I've never, it's, it's not something I'll probably ever play. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, so I like listen to that and kind of top to bottom first. But when I was doing, you know, all these, the, especially the junior plays, um, like I'm doing Alice in Wonderland in a few weeks. I'm not going to touch any part of that because I don't want to like try to imitate the orchestra part. Yeah. Once I'm done with it, I'll listen to probably a pro recording top to bottom so I can you know, just figure out what's going on after the fact. But like if I was singing or if I was going to be acting or participating in it in any capacity other than drum set, like I, w- I probably wouldn't have a, I would be able to like enjoy it that way. It's hard sometimes because in musical theater you have so many people who don't read music, especially community level. And so what they say is, go listen to the cast recording. Yeah. This is the one we want you to listen to. And so at best, you're doing a pale imitation, unless you can really divorce yourself from saying, okay, here are the notes, and now I'm going to put a spin on it. Yeah. Which some people can do and do very, very well. But if you're not thinking about it, especially in chorus parts, it's just like you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. And obviously... Part of the way to combat that is more theory for choir people. I mean, I just want to, I did a lot of solfege, Mm -hmm. which is very helpful, but it doesn't explain a lot of the nuances and it just doesn't get past like specific note reading, which is great. But if I could do it over, I spent so much of choir singing and we could have spent half of that time on theory. And I just feel much better prepared for the world. It might have sounded the same or better in some cases. We were actually um, pretty phenomenal. You asked me when you sent me a text about this, about my favorite music memory. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, it's high school choir. Yeah. We, I think my junior year, we went to New York for some competition because there's always a competition. Sure. And but ended up in this gorgeous cathedral in like downtown and got to practice in one of those big open stone i mean you felt like one of those proper english schoolboy choirs and it was our women's choir which was just really exceptional that year um and it was psalm 23 by z randall stroop and we were just hitting the actual rafters <laughs> and some of us were crying yeah. and it was just you felt buffeted by music in a way that didn't hurt you right like it was very it's euphoric is what it was i like i like that word I, well i like buffeted a lot because um, i you know it's it's i've said it on the show, I think probably several times now, but my, I had I had that sort of moment, but as a conductor, because I didn't sing until I got into college, 
and I didn't actually know what I was doing until like last week. So I mean, um, hey, congrats for getting there. <laughs> I still I obviously have no clue what I'm doing in any of this, but um, no, that's that's cool, and I like I like Buffett. It's very much a moving, um, and that's the the people that I find are the most passionate about it about music have that sort of experience. So like it, it moved me, it picked me up, it, it drew me around the room, but I was there, I was I was also the safest I've ever been. Um, you know, sort of I've you know, I've I've talked to people like I was sort of outside myself. Like I was I was above me watching myself sing and hearing all of this thing and there was it's that's cool. Especially a good piece of music in a good hall. Mm-hmm. Like an actual cathedral hall. Mm. Well, that's good. Um, I want to say I've done the Randall Street before, but I think that was what the Allstate Choir did. I'm sure. Yeah, he's a Texas composer. He does. Um, and everyone was obsessed with him for a hot minute. So like two or three years of my high school choir career were a lot of Stroop. He did, let's see, The Conversion of Saul. Yeah. And Oh My Love's Like a Red, Red Rose. Hmm. What I've, uh, what I've been doing, I think is really cool is, I think what I've been doing is, I put a little YouTube link so we just saw like all the stuff we talked about we could share and stuff there's a lot of stuff that I haven't listened to. I I did um talk to a harp harp gal. I heard a bunch of brand new harp music. Freaking cool. I think but, all harp music would be brand new harp music to me, but <laughs> um okay, well then at that point I'll tell you that I'm now only sixty percent sure that Oh My Love's Like a Red Red Rose is true. I'm good on the conversion of Salva. <laughs> well, Here's the thing. It don't matter to us. I'm going to put it up there anyway. Great. Statistically speaking, it's probably. <laughs> Our... It's around. It's pretty. Or, uh, Lord oh, God, so much Whitaker. I wasn't allowed to see Whitaker in college. Really? Yeah. My choir director was like, no. I feel like high school... Choir directors really loved him, and then by college, everyone was like, "It's so high school. <laughs> who would who voice. would want to sing those beautiful melodies?" Well, it's if you didn't have a bass that could hold a C below the staff for two and a half minutes without the room. Do you not just have those in your back pocket? See, we had all the football guys though. The football guys could handle themselves. <laughs> I feel like that's borderline glee. Yeah, um, except that nobody made a big deal about it. It wasn't like, Jimmy, you couldn't possibly do both. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, sometimes you have to go to practice early, and sometimes you have to miss a Saturday scrimmage. We can both pretend. Yeah. Scrimmage. So there was no episode of Bon Jovi song when... You had a real bass section. No, we did have uh, one girl who would come in every day for three or four months and do Regina Spector's 
Samson on the piano as loudly as okay. possible. Sure. Ooh. I've just gotten back into being okay with that song. <laughs> it's a great song, and it was so great that she could play it for the first week. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it suddenly became much less great. Have you ever had a piece of music ruined for you? So I left with the tenor. And, uh, Queen of the Night. Queen of the Night? That pitch. Again, fantastic. It was well done. He's like, there, girl. And, uh, and he was like, I'm just, I have to practice. I have to be in this headspace. I'm like, okay. For like a day. And that was one of those, I, I respected the piece. Didn't, wouldn't say that I liked it. And I, I don't know if he performed it somewhere. This, he was a tremendous singer. He's, I think he's at Disney now. Like, he's Disney good. But yeah, I was singing soprano things at pitch with like proper tuning and. That's great. It was really high and. Eh. A little twitchy. A little twitchy. A lot, a lot twitchy. And I was, I was getting into barbershop and I think I was singing baritone at that time. So everything in my head was like two octaves down <laughs> and like inner voice parts. <laughs> and now you can appreciate yeah. that, given now, enough space. Yeah. I just had a dude I really hated sing Float On by Modest Mouse and that band is dead to me, so. I'm not feeling that ache though. Not That was like uh it them singing it. I'm like, I could never hear that again and be okay. That's fine. Gonna, gonna float on, if you will. Sing <laughs> uh, them with our own time. <laughs> well, so this is always a thing that I think is interesting. What, um, and there's two sides of it. So there's the, you know, stuffy, truthy question, like, What's your favorite classical piece of music? There's the medium regular question. What's your favorite musical? Uh, which you have to ask that way. And then like... You don't. You don't have I, to ask it that way. I feel like, I feel like you do a little bit. I feel like, like you do. Right. There it is. Yeah. I know. I'm working. I'm not working on that. Um, and then there's like, what do you turn on when you're like at the grocery store, like in the car? Because I think, especially when they, when there are things that like don't line up, like if you ask, if you ask me that question, which you haven't and maybe won't, then it might not be things you would expect. So I think that's a really cool area to be in. So what are, what are your go-to listening things? For my listening pleasure, um... Well, I mean, I do a lot of the current indie pop. I think Stars is probably my go-to indie band. Stars. Stars. Oh my God. I saw Stars my junior year of college and it was like a seven year fulfillment <laughs> fantasy. Um, I mean, Marina and the Diamonds is always good for just joy. 
and at this point I'm letting Sirius dictate a lot of what I'm listening to. Sure. That free trial in your car really uh, helps you out. And as far as musicals, I'm, let's see, I, I mean, Sondheim's always good, although I think I have a real soft spot for like the Rogers and Hammerstein South Pacific. South Pacific is, minus the racism, probably <laughs> one of the greatest musicals ever created, which is not a hot take. But I love so many of those musicals, and they always have, like, one element that's just like, we can't do that in 2017, or shouldn't. So happy when they do. <laughs> like Thoroughly Modern Millie? Just, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, man. I saw a high school do that once. They didn't handle it awesome. A lot of, lot of yellow face, which would have been fine back in the day. Um, I'm on a West Side Story jog right now. So good. Yeah. And having studied the score for that one, so good. Even, even better. He was the, he was the voice of his time. It's just a good era of, of music. Mm-hmm. Well, and musical theater, I mean, I don't want to paint everything with this wide brush because obviously there's a lot going on, but this sort of like Dear Evan Hansen musical genre, which is a lot of like, I'm going to talk really nasal and I'm going to tell you all of my problems and they're very specific and... I have an angst, and I think as a vocalist, you look at it a little differently because you're like, what can I sing? And that's sort of what's fun for me to listen to is the stuff that I sound good singing, which is so narcissistic. But I'm a much better Maria Von Trapp than I am like anyone in Next to Normal. So while I love both, my preference is always sort of a, an old school 40s, 50s sound. Well, there's, def- there's a, I think there should be a, a bit of narcissism. Mm-hmm. I said it like a normal person at times, so. Congratulations. And you can conduct now. It's been a big week for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as far as classical, I am like a babe in the woods. I just don't have a solid ground there yet. And so I'm doing, I'm going through like the, the first opera pieces again that I started right after high school and abandoned because I was like, I don't need to study. And then I'm going back to them right now. And it's, it's really fun because I didn't go through musical in, in college. And so I don't have the same burnout. Sure. Well, it, one of the things that I, I think you'll find too is that for, for people that, that go through some sort of study, they end up turning to 
a certain set of music, more complicated music, like I would consider a, a contemporary musical theater. Like from a from a technical standpoint, it's very complicated. It's there's a lot of and it's what we it's what we hear as modern. Um, when you go back to listen to some of the original opera or any sort of instrumental music from that time, it seems very basic. It's still virtuosic. I mean, you know, there's a lot going on, but it's it is the basis. And like I started with that sort of stuff, and I can hardly listen to it because now I'm like, well, I like the impressionist stuff with all the extended harmonies and like 17 part chords and musical theater nowadays. I think if you go back after, like if you start and you're used to, um, if you're used to musicals and that's what you performed and enjoyed, then the other stuff is kind of like a palate cleanser. It's like, oh, there's not 19 parts going on. I'm not, one person is singing for 15 minutes about like one thing. <laughs> Sometimes, not even singing about a thing, they're just singing. Yes. Oh my God, so many extended riffs. And I really like just the, the consumption solo. The I'm dying, so let's sing for seven minutes oh. about how I'm dying. <laughs> like, your, uh, your breath control's crushing it. The last minutes of your life. <laughs> Just when they can artfully turn their head to cough blood into a uh, tissue and then continue singing. Aces. Breaking that wall of theater and, you know. Just look at how talented I am. <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of opera. I mean, that's why. That's perfect. That's what you learn about opera. It is very much. Yes. How wonderful I am. Everyone's looking at their watches and their champagne glasses are breaking. It's wonderful. I mean, it's an appreciation for the art form. You get Sutton Foster in a musical, you're going to make her tap dance. <laughs> She's good at it. Everybody wants to see it. What are you going to do? She actually, she tap dances in Shrek for no reason. It is forced in there. <laughs> But everybody's still happy to see it. Of course. Well, that used to be, I don't know, I, there's, there's pockets where I think it's kind of like this, where, like, it used to be like there was no movie theaters. And um, not at first, obviously, it was for the, for the rich folks. But it eventually got to where, like, if you were, you know, off of your 15-hour shift at the bakery, you would just go see opera. Or you would go see some sort of, version of it and that was just the thing I think it's I feel like there's a lot of community theaters maybe it's just now that I'm just noticing it because I'm involved with it more readily but I feel like there's more people going there's more young people involved and... I think there's been a push um, but I also think that the I mean I don't know all of the places that you work I do know that the places that I have tended to get work have been in the wealthier areas of Houston. Sure. So obviously the push starts with the upper middle class. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where they have the thickening. The resources. Well, that's, I'm, one of the things that I'm, I'm starting, I, there's things, a lot of things that I'm not so keen on about Houston, like the driving and the, um, 
that's a big question, I'll be honest with you. But the, uh, you know, people laud Austin as this like arts haven. And I think maybe that it was, but with my experience in youth in the last few years, like, who needs Austin? I mean, not to not to crap on Austin, but Houston's no, it's stuff it's uh, profligated. Yeah. Is that the word I'm looking I, for? Um, there are a lot of things, and people are going to see things, mm-hmm. which I know we just talked about 60 seconds ago, but it's still amazing to me that there's also just enough income, and I think it goes back to like. We have working actors in Houston, but we don't have all just working actors. There are a lot of people who have another gig, part-time, what have you, and are very happy with that. It's not just like, an, I'm going to make it as an actor and then I won't have to do this anymore. They find something fulfilling and still manage to do something else fulfilling in the meantime. Yeah. And I just think that's a more balanced way to look at your life. There's that cynicism and that burnout that comes from doing... I was talking to our cello teacher about this, where she was like, at one point during college, I was playing cello 12 hours a day, and I would go to a friend's concert, and I just wouldn't want to hear it. Right. And so I... I think the separation of church and state is really important in this instance. Sure. I mean, for instance, I'm getting really into pool. I'm good. It's really hard. I'm not good. Uh, by getting into it, I mean someone kicked my ass and I was like, <laughs> I have to get better at this game. Because you do things to uh, annoy people and I do things out of spite. fun ways to go. <laughs> I think um, I think with the advent of free platforms to consume media uh, like YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Sirius, Pandora, all these places where you can hear stuff you've never heard before mm-hmm. for free or basically free. I think that's I think that's bringing, you know, music and other things that maybe were considered, air quotes, high art to a more relatable level. And people are like, oh, I like listening to that. Maybe I could do that. You know, maybe I could pick up a guitar where I never would have 20 years ago because I'd never heard guitar music that I could play or enjoy. Okay, well, maybe I wouldn't do anything with it, but now my kids can do it, you know. I don't think my parents' generation is necessarily like that, but the people that are having kids now, or you know, the, the teenagers now, are throwing music at their kids because it's like, well, here's good music. You know, you don't have to go to concerts to see. You don't have to go to the, the symphony orchestra to hear orchestral music. You don't have to have a expensive season ticket to watch cool musicals. Right. Or even like. Um, I think the group's called like Star Kid. Yeah, the Darren Chris. Yeah, Darren Chris, and they they have like um, the Harry Potter musical. Oh man. I heard everyone says that same thing. Oh man. I remember the second 
because there are multiple Harry Potter musicals from Starkhead. And the second one coming out and going to a friend's house and she'd managed to hook YouTube up to her television, which was still very impressive in 2008, sure. at least to me. And watching this gritty, just poorly pixelated version of something that clearly costs no money but a lot of time. and. Sure. There was so much joy. And that kind of, people, some people are like, oh, I wonder, I can do that. Yeah. I can do that right now. I think, I mean, that was also a really good time in YouTube's life. The start, when people were doing interesting things and it had not yet become a commercial venue. Yeah, it wasn't monetized just yet. Yeah, you have to look a little harder now, but... You know, it's still out there. I mean, that many people with that much access to video and music and what I think there's just going to be interesting stuff all the time. Sure. There's too much to keep track of. There's too much to keep track of. I get very overwhelmed sometimes thinking about all the music I'm not listening to. I mean, and like books you have to read and television you have to watch, but specifically I get in musical ruts because it makes me happy and, it, and I'm like, I can listen to Bell and Sebastian again. Mm -hmm. That's fine. It's a 15 minute car ride and I need to push myself musically. And... I don't want to be one of those people who's still listening to the stuff they listened to in college 20 years down the line. Yeah. Um, my dad's really good about that. He'll actually browse Amazon and just buy CDs and things that might interest him. And he started doing that basically when it became basically free when he could pick up an album for a dollar on Amazon sure. because in high school he was definitely still listening to Supertramp and then decided to give himself a push when that became available easily and I think that's really cool we'll trade music now it's a lot of fun that's true I've seen a lot of uh like when I when I go up to Denton just to visit, it's like six records. Mm -hmm. Just and what, what music from like last year on vinyl, but it's like right next to an album from like 1923 or something absurd. And like this is this is so cool. I mean that's such a such a strange and wonderful juxtaposition. See a jazz album from the like the person who penned the chart. Like played it into a. That's awesome. It's, you know, and that's something you don't really even have to look that hard for. You know, it, it's something you have to kind of already be into. You know, like you're gonna go look for vinyls, but they're there. Like all that stuff's yeah. out there. <coughs> so. It is. Uh, it's an interesting time to be involved in the. The medium of. Music oral oral events, I guess. Um, 
But yeah, there's, there's a, a million ways to approach it. One of the things also that I think uh, is, is, is a, probably the best way to wrap up as we, some, of course, I have rehearsal because, you know, I'm a game. But, um, Your joy in that was so obvious. But it, it's an extra rehearsal. Um, yeah, we have a we have the show April twelfth, which will happen probably before this comes out. I'm, I'm thankfully developing quite the few. Yeah, I've seen your uh, your Twitter updates. I have a lot of Twitter updates. You do, <laughs> and these are uh, these are more fun than the than the lose it ones. I have to tell you. I don't know why it's doing that. I'm gonna be honest with you. I've turned it off. Okay. Nine or ten times. Because. It is a uh, TMI. Yeah, not pertinent information for anybody. I don't yeah. know why it's doing it. I'm gonna try and keep that again. Anyway, not to make you feel <laughs> uncomfortable about your own Twitter feed, but uh. Here's the thing, though. Uh, you're the first person who said anything, so uh, still reading my tweets. I just assumed you were doing it deliberately, and I was like, and it was happening when I followed you on Twitter. So those were like the first five or six tweets I saw from you and I was like, do I wanna follow John? I don't I don't know about this. I'm uh and here's here's if it makes you feel any better about it. I'm not like super proud of my progress in that particular area. So it's not like a hey look at me, I'm I didn't staying think, the same way. I had no <laughs> idea. I just like, why you would have set it up like that was baffling to me. But good to know. Uh, it's on my list. Uh, so there's this, the question, this can be like, you can consider this your first day of formal music training. They always ask us, uh, and actually it's happened, this one particular teacher, which I, I will tell you about later, and I could go on for years about um, I, a professor I had in college, she would ask us, and not ironically as in like a, okay, you vaguely chose music as your career path, but she would ask us, she'd ask us at the beginning of, we had to take uh, three or four classes, we got to take three or four classes from, from the same teacher. She was the only person who taught this class. She would ask us at the beginning and the end, what is music? And there's a million different ways to interpret it. That's like, what do you think it constitutes something being called music? Or what is music to you? What role does music play in your life? Um, so there's, there's a million different ways to think about it. And she would ask at the beginning and at the end and see the people that weren't paying attention are like, music is sound you can buy in iTunes. And you know, Music is iTunes. <laughs> my first answer. But some people were like, you know, music is, and for me, one of the things I thought of, well, music is what makes me glad to wake up in the morning. Especially when otherwise I'm not so enthusiastic to, like, get up and do stuff. So, like, music, I'm like, okay, I got to do something with music today. I can, you know... Days when I have a podcast or a premiere or a piece that I've, I've been working on until you know, the 20 minutes before when I went to sleep, and now I'm up again and we're working. So, like, 
it, it can be any story. Okay, I, yeah. What do you, what do you think? I'm not saying you're leading the witness here, but, <laughs> um, hey. and hey. I'm mostly, <laughs> this is the first time I've ever seen someone else on one of these benches. Yeah. So I'm glad they're being used. Beautiful day. Music's a filler. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But it's one of those things that is so accessible either by turning something on or by making it myself. And it's a way of not, I can't. I could have told you the bird story during that, but uh, <laughs> it's just a way to occupy myself that brings me joy and like a more immediate form than anything else. And there's joy to technique. There's, I had a voice teacher who made me hold a microwave once while doing scales to keep me grounded. It worked amazingly. Oh. I, I tell people this and they're concerned and I'm a, I was a grown person at that point. I was 18 or 19. It's, please don't imagine 12-year-old Marissa trying to hold a full microwave. Like above your head. Yeah. Style. <laughs> and then I had to do push-ups, and I'm pretty sure she made me move a car. And, like, Pick up her laundry. <laughs> I did get a 1099 that year. <laughs> but, and I, I hit a high E for the first time. Okay. And it was like, and there was a joy to that, but even just a, I get mocked a lot because people will put me on hold on the phone and I will start singing to myself, except that you can't really hold on the iPhone. So what they're hearing <laughs> is just a small version of whatever has been playing Sure. to the point where I don't think I could work in a proper office because I sing to myself so often <laughs> because it just... It's like a little joy nugget. It's like giving yourself something to get through the, to the next moment. Mm -hmm. And that can turn on me pretty easily. Um, because if I choose to listen to something too upsetting, it's like, oh, the day is ruined. I've, I've killed my own joy deliberately. And there are songs I will not let myself listen to. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Joy Nugget Filler. Filler time. Oh, that's... Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> You're welcome for that. I'm going to draw that. No. I have a friend who's like... Because he uh, works for a 
company that like t-shirts it's like you need shirts you need shirts you need lots of shirts that might be our first shirt we'll see I'm gonna see how clever I can be in avoiding you know copyright infringement sure I mean I I'm sure Joy Nuggets has been said before Joy Nugget filler time might be new I want you to know that for the last 20 minutes, I've had float on by Modest Mouse in my head. It's just, um, it's that whole thing of, you mentioned something and it's in your head and it's a filler and sometimes the filler is bad. Yes. Yeah. The whole like, uh, there's text where something but like humans or act as like the vessel for music sometimes conduit through which music speaks. It's kinda cool. It makes it seem like there's just music all around and it we can channel it sometimes when and how we wish. Sure, like the ley lines of the world. Sure. It's very that's I I enjoy that a lot. Especially because uh, I've been thinking of Air conditioner changing pitches and stuff, and like how I can use that to write stuff. Composers mm -hmm. are weird people. I'm always thinking, like, and when the score was there, I was thinking, six, six, six. And I want to pick I was there. I was definitely <laughs> in the, the pet the squirrel. Um, I mean, and vocalists do things like match the pitch of their Sonicare toothbrushes. Barbershoppers harmonize with their toothbrushes. That's the difference, really. I harmonize with my toothbrushes. I don't know about barbershoppers. I like to just give them. And mine actually has three different pitches. Why? Well, like, not at the same time. Although that would be too. But, like, it's got different speeds. <laughs> Sonicare toothbrushes for musicians. <laughs> Like every day, it's slightly different. <laughs> Could you tune your toothbrush? Tune brush? Business idea. Tune brush. Yeah, that's happening. Right. People are gonna think we are insane. No, they're gonna be like. I think everyone knows exactly what they're doing, and we're being judged. But it's fine. Well. It was either that or smoke a meat, and <laughs> we weren't going to do that. Well, I'm very grateful for the audience. Thanks, guys. Really. Especially you, guys, you, Squirrel. You guys have been awesome. You and the AC. Your MVPs. This is... It was fun, right? Yeah. This was, uh, it was nice. It was sort of like theater in the round. Like in a general sense, or is that a thing? Theater in the round's a thing. Okay. Where the stage is in the center and the audience surrounds it. Um, oh. You know what a thrust stage is? So, I'm trying to think of one you might have seen. But basically, 
thrusts out into the audience, and the audience forms a semicircle around the stage. Mm, um, right. I think maybe Louis C.K. had one on mm -hmm. one of his um, press stage, and they're good for some things, mostly having more seats. Um, but in terms of blocking, it's sometimes very difficult because people tend to block for proscenium stages. Um, proscenium is when it's a flat stage and then the audience is right in front. So you have two parallel lines. Mm -hmm. A stage. And my college stage was a thrust stage. So you learn a lot about keeping people moving and making sure that no one has their back to you the entire time. And nobody has a perfect seat, but most people have an okay seat. Sure. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's a great verb. Um, much like buffeted. Oh, weird. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, um, yeah, this was fun. I don't have any like fancy catchphrases. You know. Fill up on your joy nuggets. <laughs> That's what I got for you. <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah.